As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday to you. It is Friday, September 15th. I am Al Melchior. I'm here with Eno Saris for our weekend preview show here on Rates and Barrels. And this is the second to last one of these because, of course, this is going to be the second to last fab period uh, in in most leagues. Uh, We will be here uh, on the final Friday of the season, uh, just in case you are thinking that far ahead. But uh, anyway, so things are there. It's getting down. You know, it's getting down to the end here. And uh, so we've got some uh, hitters and pitchers to consider for that stretch run. Some big news, a few closer situations to discuss the usual thing that we do here on the Friday show. Mm. So let's get started with it and start with uh, I think uh, what would qualify as the the biggest news item the last day or two Heston Kerstad uh, up with the Orioles. He did not start for that series opener uh, against Tampa Bay on Thursday. Uh, But, you know, what are your expectations in terms of playing time and in terms of performance? Well, there's a very interesting discussion yesterday uh, between Tom Trudeau and Eric Cross uh, about uh, Tom Trudeau has a service called Scout the Stat Line that is basically uh, like an MLE, a major league equivalency um, machine. Uh, it looks at stats in the in the minors, weighs uh, the ones that translate to the majors best, and tries to give you an idea of what the best prospects are based on stats. It's called scouting the stat line. It's a pretty cool idea. Uh, every projection system has something like it. Uh, his purports to be the best. Uh, it does. Uh, come up with some interesting answers. And one of the interesting answers was that, uh, you know, before the season, he had Edward Julian. I don't know the exact number, but like top 10 or top 20, uh, where uh, most other prospect rating systems had him nowhere close. Julian's doing well. Um, you know, I don't think that we can say right now we know exactly what Julian's true talent is, but uh, it seems to have uh, uncovered something there. Uh, and uh, he was saying that Heston Kerstad, uh, you know, given his age, 24, uh, and production at uh, AAA, somewhat mediocre. Uh, 
It's interesting to say that a 298, 371, 498 for Heston Kerstad is mediocre, but it's only 16% better than league average. Uh, Estevan Florial was better than that uh, in the same league uh, at a similar age. So um, it is a little surprising to me. Uh, then Eric Cross brought up some really interesting uh, uh, counter arguments, which is that you can't necessarily just use age at level for Heston Kerstad because Heston Kerstad got myocarditis and uh, missed like a year. And, you know, there were all these sort of complications that were beyond not just sort of play on the field. It's, you know, issues with his health. It's not really something that came from playing baseball. And so you can you really count him as a 24-year-old? And this is something that is interesting to me because I liked Jeff McNeil better than some prospect rating systems. I liked Evan Gaddis uh, better than some prospect rating systems. And both of those guys had weird reasons for being old at level. And Jeff McNeil uh, was trying to be a professional golfer. Uh, Evan Gaddis uh, was drinking too hard. So <laughs> uh, these, uh, these were reasons that uh, they were old at level. And uh, to some extent... Um, I think it played out that those players were better than you might expect given an age at level analysis. So I don't know that I, and then also the last part is uh, we were at uh, Arizona fall league uh, watching Hessen Kerstad and he immediately impressed me as much as Julian. I, I was actually pretty impressed uh, by Julian, but Kerstad uh, I thought had the ability to make contact, pull for power and also spray for batting average that is something that shows up in the numbers. He's not super pull happy, but he does have uh, over 200 ISOs this year at AA and AAA, Kirstad does. So I don't know. Like, I'm predisposed to liking this guy, um, but I also understand that 16% better than league average at AAA is not necessarily um, a, a forceful uh, argument uh, in his favor. Well, we've got the weekend ahead of us, so we'll get to see, uh, maybe get a better idea of what Kirstad's role is Playing gonna time be. is going to be really important because it is a yeah. crowded team. And I looked at the, it's always about the corresponding move, and the corresponding move was sending Ryan McKenna down, not putting Ryan Mountcastle on the IL. So uh, they're waiting, I think, for because that was why uh, Kirstad came up. For some reason, I believe Mountcastle medical imaging revealed no damage to his left shoulder. So could Kirstad just be up for a couple days and then Mountcastle's back in the lineup Sunday and you're like, I don't know what to do. So uh, I would I'd I'd be watching the news uh, for Mountcastle, be watching if Mountcastle's in the lineup. Uh, and playing time is always at this point in the season. Playing time, actually, most of the season, playing time is everything. But especially now, yeah. you just got to take who's playing. Yeah, so that's definitely a, a job for all of us this weekend to look at that Orioles lineup and and try to make sense of what's going on. But even with Mount Castle out on on Thursday night, you saw Aaron he Aaron Hicks there. So. Um, so I actually want to, before we move on from Kirstat, talk about two would you rathers, I guess. And one is, would you rather have Aaron Hicks in a 15 teamer for next week? If, uh, if, if Kirstad is not playing much, I think so. Uh, I think the playing time has been there for Hicks 
and I think that Hicks is a better defender, and he's a switch hitter. So these are a lot of things that kind of uh, work in his favor. He's above average of the bat this year. Um, you know, Chris has a little bit more of a, a, a question mark defensively, just where he fits in. Uh, is he a first baseman or is he an outfielder? Whereas, you know, Hicks can play all three outfield positions. So I do believe that Hicks uh, is a safer bet for sure. Okay, and since you brought up Floreal, he uh, also came up this week and has started four straight games for the Yankees. Well, so do you gonna, trust that? He's going to play, I think, because the Yankees are, you know, they they have this rare chance to to give all their young guys a full month of playing time and see what they learn from it. Usually that's so win now there in New York that they don't have this chance. So I think uh, Everson Pereira, Esteban Florial, Oswald Peraza, and Anthony Volpe are going to start every game from here on out. Uh, and I would guess that Austin Wells gets the primary share of catching from here on out. So, uh, you know, that's bad news for, you know, Jake Bowers or uh, maybe DJ LeMayhew, you know, like I just, I don't think there'll be a, a primary concern in terms of getting them at bats. All right. Well, uh, fair enough. But, but and, what will he do uh, is another question. Cause Florial, uh, <laughs> he did perform well at AAA this year, but, uh, at 25, a 130 WRC plus is not that great. It is better than Kerstad, but, uh, he's also a year older, uh, and the strikeouts didn't get better. So we did we talk about this already, or maybe we talked about it on on Monday with uh, Chris Welsh. Um, yeah, but not with me that I recall. Yeah, but he's but, still. Uh, I mean, he's still missing fifteen percent of the time, swinging missing fifteen percent of the time. And so uh, the only play here is if you just want homers and stolen bases and don't care about batting average. And even then you have to make contact with the ball to, you know, hit a homer. So <laughs> I mean, it'll be, it'll be touch and go, but I, I think he's an interesting pickup for people that just, Hey, what if I could get, you know, in the next two weeks, three stolen bases and two homers. Like there's not a lot of players on the wire that could do that for you. And Florial could do no, that for there, you. There definitely aren't. Uh, and there's a guy I think we're going to get to later that is very widely available, not a prospect by any means. He's been around, uh, but I think maybe could be one of the better, bigger impact pickups uh, this week. So it isn't necessarily the the biggest names or the you know the shiniest new new uh, player. Yeah, my big uh, pickup uh, did, last did, week was Jesus Sanchez, which I did preview in mm-hmm. our uh, in our pod as saying he's the he big benefit uh, from injuries in in. Uh, uh, in Miami, and as the as more and more people get injured, you're, you're just like more and more likely that Jesus Sanchez is going to be in the lineup every day. Yeah, no, that's that's I think a week later, still, still a good true. pickup if you can. <laughs> I got, a, I think I already it. got a home around. <laughs> Uh, Well, uh, I do have a couple of other uh, prospects to talk about, uh, one of whom we actually did talk about last week, but Pete Crow Armstrong, I don't believe we talked about because he was not up yet uh, last Friday. He came up on Monday for the Cubs. Cubs have played three games since Armstrong's uh, call-up, and uh, he has started two of those three games. Uh, So before we get into uh, PCA, um, I've got Mike Tockman in a few leagues, deeper leagues, but is this the end of the line for for Talkman? Or uh, I guess it, it doesn't hurt to watch what happens this weekend. But uh, should we start thinking about moving on from him? 
I I think so. Uh, Talkman had a nice beginning, but uh, in terms of splits, uh, it's been a little bit worse since. Um, uh, oh, I guess I should check my priors. Uh, his September eighty four WRC plus, August one hundred two, July one twenty. It was that real hot May 149 WRC plus that's floating a lot of his uh, his stats, though. I mean, since then, I'm guesstimating that he has about a 225 batting average, 230 batting average uh, since a 355 May. Um, and also in terms of just uh, raw things like playing time. Uh, you'll just see that, uh, you know, June, he had 80, uh, 94 played appearances. Uh, and so far in September, he has 40. It's drying up a little bit for him. I just think that, you know, he wasn't necessarily a full-time player either. So, you know, the fact that he's still on the roster and Pete Cromstrong, the, the, the managers even said things like, we're here to win games, not develop players right now. Um, I think, you know, how many more offers uh, are they going to give Pete Cromstrong till he's you know, the guy that comes in and runs for somebody and defensive replacement and just a guy who's helping them win. I mean, I think that's what they're prioritizing right now is wins. And so I wouldn't go too deep in with Pete Armstrong. Yeah, that was sort of my, uh, what I was anticipating with him was that he'd come up and be a defensive replacement and maybe an occasional starter. So uh, the fact that he has started two of three, has uh, was a l- little bit surprising to me, but yeah, we'll watch this weekend. I mean, some some good power and speed potential there, but also a lot of swing and miss. So, uh, you know, there's there's also some some issues with floor even in the short term there mm. for for him. And then uh, I'll we'll revisit somebody we talked about uh, a week ago who had just come up at that point, and that's Jordan Lawler. And I think that he provides sort of a cautionary tale for the prospects that we've talked about so far because was pretty exciting to see Lawler coming up. The Diamondbacks made all sorts of statements about, you know, they're they're in it to win it and Lawler's going to be a big part of that and already he's sitting uh because he has really really scuffled in his first few games. So, uh if you picked him up a week ago, do you drop him at this point? Is is that too too soon? Uh what what would you recommend? I think so. I I I remain not very changed with regards to my opinion on Lawler's long-term upside. Um, He's had little kind of foibles with call-ups before. And then like when he first got called up to double A, he struck out 29% of the time. When he repeated double A, he struck out 22% of the time, you know? Uh, his ISO from in Lawler's first attempt at double A was 141 and the second was 211. So I kind of expect, uh, you know, that, uh, he's an interesting guy for next year. Uh, but for this year, I would rather have a safer thing. All righty. Uh, well, let's uh, move on to a, a pretty big news item in terms of real baseball. I'm not sure what the fantasy impact is here, but Max Scherzer is out for the regular season at a minimum, could very easily miss the postseason should the Rangers be in the postseason. Uh, so to the, to the IL with a Terrace major strain, uh, so obviously, you know, for, for Scherzer, his fantasy season is done and maybe his entire season is done at this point. But uh, in terms of the Rangers rotation, is there any sort of impact there, especially with Nathan Avaldi struggling again on Thursday against the Blue Jays? Uh, velocity is still down. He's still not going deep and being 
all that effective. Yeah, uh, he's uh, it's interesting. I, I was just I wanted to look at uh, Cody Bradford's numbers a little bit um, because he seems to be the guy that's stepping in and uh, finishing games when the uh, top guys can't finish. Martin Perez is in the mix a little bit, too. Right now, I think the rotation is basically Montgomery, Gray, Dunning, Haney and Eovaldi. But Bradford is like sort of this glue guy, and he's probably the next guy if if another person goes down. And, and given these names I just said to you, yes, that's uh, totally possible that somebody else goes down. Um, but uh, I think that Bradford's over his shoes when it comes to his current ERA, so I'm not super interested in him. Eovaldi's uh, fastball stuff plus has dropped to 88 uh, over the last 30 days. Uh, he still has above average stuff plus cause his splitter is still really good and his slider is decent. Uh, but you can only go so far with, uh, a splitter being your best pitch, especially if you're not going to throw it like Keaton Wynn is throwing it like 60% of the time. I, I just don't think Eovaldi is going to do that with the state of his health. Um, I would say in 10 and 12, um, uh, in 10 teams, he's drop in 12 teams. I'd be looking at the schedule and in 15s, I'd be looking at the schedule. He could still be maybe valuable, uh, based on schedule, but if he's not going five, uh, then he's not necessarily going to get you wins. And since he's come back, he's gone one and a third, two and a third and three and a third. I mean, maybe he's building his way back. Or maybe they just need to win every game and they're just going to take whatever they can get out of him, which does not suggest he's going to get a lot of wins, Eovaldi. Yeah, so yeah, that number is slowly ratcheting up, but... Uh, I don't see... Really got... Is there anybody you like that's joining the rotation? Is it Dunning? Who's joining uh, the I, I mean, I think Haney, Haney maybe gets solidified here. Yeah. But Haney and Dunning. But I, I like agree Haney that... Uh, oh, I do too. I do too, for sure. Uh, but I like the call on Bradford because even if Ivaldi uh, continues to make starts, that he could you know be coming in in the fourth inning and giving you three four innings. Super deep um, league. Maybe situation. he takes over as a starter or as a, a bulk reliever for somebody else. Maybe he gets you two wins in the next couple of weeks by vulturing off of somebody. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely a, a you know, tricky situation there. And I know on the three O show, you and Britt talked about the Rangers. They're sort of their precarious postseason position right now. And the Scherzer injury obviously does not help that at all. And uh, the, the way that Evaldi has been going, uh, that's just, just adds to the, uh, the precariousness of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about a couple other teams and their roster situations. The Rays, they've uh, swapped a couple of outfielders, Jose Siri uh, with the right-hand fracture. He goes on the IL. His uh, regular season is done. Manny Margot comes back from an aisle stint for loose loose bodies in his elbow. So Margot, I would think, would stand to get a pretty fair amount of playing time They're these last couple of weeks. In center? And they have been playing Rayleigh in center. Uh, Jonathan Ronda picked up a little bit of playing time. But now with Margot in the mix, I would think Rayleigh? he's going to play pretty regularly. 28-year-old? What did he play last year? First base and left field. Oh, my God. I love the Rays. They're so bad. Bad poop. <laughs> bad guano. I mean, the I mean, Luke Rayleigh was a great pickup for them, so I'm not, I'm not yeah. calling that bad poop. And I guess he has some foot speed, so, you know, that's okay. I, I, 
It's going to be funny for me if Luke Rayleigh's lined up in center and Mar- and Margot's lined up in right. It's just I'm going to be like, what? what's happening here so i was not anticipating that but it's the race so i guess you don't know <laughs> uh really i mean it could be a platoon in center because really uh does sit more often against lefties and margot is a righty so yeah uh, it could be a straight right, well, platoon i don't i don't see like a, a real winner looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, fair enough. And yeah, the Rays being the Rays, I probably shouldn't be overconfident about Margot getting a whole bunch of playing time. So that's that's an extremely fair point. And then uh, the Angels, there's of course they've they've just been in disarray for weeks now. But good news, Zach Neto is back from a back injury. And then uh, Angels also brought up Jared Walsh and David Fletcher. I don't know if there's anything there. Walsh did not put up good numbers in AAA. I'm not sure what what happened there. Uh, David Fletcher, of course, you know he I, he is who he is. I think um, I saw something from Sam Blum about this having something to do with trying to get under luxury tax. <laughs> would make sense. I guess if you are paying like a young kid, uh, but you have to pay David Fletcher anyway because it was a major league contract, maybe. So Mm -hmm. you could save the $50,000 from paying a young kid because you're paying David Fletcher anyway because you're like the minimum salary is 600, right? And so. Are they really trying to save like a hundred thousand dollars by playing Fletcher and Walsh over young kids? Maybe. Well, they were last I read, they were pretty close to the, yeah. the threshold. <laughs> I mean, that's why so. they did the whole waiver thing. So, <laughs> right. I mean, they're trying everything they can, and it's it's um, sad and yeah, not good baseball. But is there some way we can? profit off this i don't know what is what is where's fletcher gonna play what's what's walsh gonna do they sent chaniel down is that what they did i don't think so i'll double check it but i think he is uh still on the roster and see if i can find the corresponding move there um it jordan adams got sent down and maybe so no chaniel chaniel is still there so uh, and I guess oh uh, maybe it's preparation also for Otani just being shut down. I mean this oblique thing is lingering. Yeah, yeah. That, you didn't uh, start Otani, did you? On. I did not. I learned my lesson <laughs> from the previous week. <laughs> it's worked out this week. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's an interesting lineup uh, with Shanuel hitting lead off. I. You know, I maybe you can think of somebody, but I cannot think of a comp. I cannot think of a player with a similar profile who is getting this kind of run, who just 
his whole thing is getting on base. There's absolutely no power there. Oh, at least so, not at this stage. It's so extreme. Do you know how extreme it yeah. is? The only comp I can think of is Luis Arias, and he has to he has to hit the ball harder to become Luis Arias. Like a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. But I actually thought with with you know the low strikeout rate, the high walk rate, hitting lead off, I thought maybe this guy is actually doing some damage in points leagues. And so I did a sort a little bit earlier today. Uh-huh. First baseman in C- a standard CBS points league, and he was like for the last twenty eight days, he was like thirtieth among first basemen. So it's not really paying off in any way for fantasy. If oh, he's thirtieth among he's first basemen. Reg- I thought he's the thirtieth overall. No, 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 first baseman. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the lowest max EVs in baseball. Uh, Shelby Miller has a max EV. What is happening? Why is Shelby Miller? <laughs> <laughs> is he taking that bat this year? Oh, I need to know the story on that one. Uh, who's, I mean, I can't even, I'm not even going to, oh, Jordan Lawler, 86.3. Yeah, 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 yikes. Hmm. Um, Anthony Bamboom, who has an awesome name, but uh, Cole Tucker. I mean, none of these names are any good. Uh, he's closest to Jose Herrera, Tommy Lastella, Sean Bouchard. It's um, it's not a great place to be. He he, he hasn't hit the ball as hard as David Fletcher. There you go. Well, I kind I kind of forgot that uh, Tommy Lastella played this year. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, well, I, I, this it, is there's not uh there's not really a roadmap for this. He needs to hit the ball harder. There, uh, I I could think of some guys kind of like Kyle Kailahui. I'm just murdered that guy's name. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Kaihui, I think. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, there's a blast from the but, past I hadn't thought about in a long time. Th- and that dude had like plus plus I uh, and good contact skills, uh, but he still had a 161 ISO. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that he's a great comp. And then, then you add in the fact that like, you know, Shaniel's a first baseman. So there's like a lot of pressure on that position to perform offensively. Like uh, the 105 WRC plus he's put up so far, this is why he didn't rate that highly for you is uh, that's like average for first baseman. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's but, not going to uh, steal bases I, and he hasn't shown the like, you know, uh, Luis. I think I w- it's another thing is like this. Let's say his comp is Luis Arise, right? And you say, well, couldn't he be Luis Arise? Yes. Okay. There's one Luis Arise. And there are other there are other people who we've comped to Luis Arise who ha- haven't become Luis Arise. There's just one. He, he could just be a unicorn. And even somebody like Stephen Kwan, who has maybe the same skill set as Luis Arise, um, you know, has hit the ball four miles, five, six miles harder than Shanuel so far in his in his two year career. Has a 100 ISO, um, and is also not one of the best uh, players in fantasy baseball. Yeah, I mean, when I do a sort, which I do often for people who read my columns, uh, you know, I I cite exit velocity on flies and liners a lot because it's a really, you know, really correlates strongly with power. with uh, power production. And Quan's always at or near the very bottom of that leaderboard. And you're saying Shanwell's a few ticks below him. So that's, yeah, that speaks volumes. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that saves Quan to some extent is that he hits ground balls. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, and that's, and there was a great article on Fangrass by, I think it was Ben Clemens talking about the fact that uh, Luis Arise is hitting 260 in the last month or two um, has to do with the fact that he walks such a, a, a thin tightrope that he's just barely hitting too many fly balls. Um, like his launch angle has just gone up like one or two or three degrees, you know, in the last month. And that's been enough to turn these like, like you have to think about what a tightrope a single is. You know what I mean? You're talking about hitting a ball like 150 feet and not 200 feet <laughs> and not 100 feet. But 150 feet, <laughs> it has to be that like, that just has to be like over the thing, but not not far enough that the guys can get it. And also defenders have started playing uh, Luis Arias and they'll do this to Shanuel if he, if he has some success. The outfield has come in extremely far. So now the outfield is only playing 250 feet back, you know. Uh, which is like, if you, if you see it, you're like, whoa, what's going on? And, and, and then the infielders are playing at the very back end of the grass. So they've sandwiched, sandwiched him so that the infielders are playing a hundred and the outfielders are paying at like 225 and they can run, you know, 30 feet. So they're like, they're making that band for Luis Arias like this big, you know, it's like, he has just a little crescent moon he can find and he doesn't yeah, run that and well and he doesn't hit for power. And, you know, so they're. They're uh, they're machinating. They're they're defending their way uh, past Luis Arias, and and Shanuel hasn't even shown that sort of magic ability on that level. So, uh, yeah. I I've seen some people putting Shanuel in the top ten for their first year player drafts, and uh, I will not. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, certainly for fantasy purposes, like I said, he's he's doing exactly you know what was advertised and yeah. it's still not really registering <laughs> yeah. in the formats where you yeah. figure he would he would have the most value yeah. so anyhow enough nolan shanuel talk yeah, uh let's get on to some <laughs> other hitters maybe that uh will be more useful in fantasy i just i found a bunch of outfielders uh you know in researching this week's um waiver column who are kind of on the fringes of 12 team leagues they might not be available but they very well could be there are like on cbs they're in that kind of 50 to 60 percent roster uh rate which tends to mean that you probably will find them on waivers and for me top among them was tommy fam and i say top among them not only because he's hit really well since going from the mets to diamondbacks but he he plays every day there we're going to talk about a couple other players who are, are platoon players i mean he's um, he's on your wire but, you got to get him yeah, there's no question. You, ten team, you think? Twelve I, I team think for sure. Every every league, he's stealing bases. Even he's like nine stolen bases since the trade deadline. Yeah, and I'm looking at the schedule here real quick. Um, where are the Diamondbacks? Don't the Diamondbacks go to the Rockies? They got the Cubs at home, and then next week they oh Diamond the Giants at home. I thought they had a Rockies trip in them. Uh no, they oh, do. But they, they go, go to Yankee the, Stadium. I'll take Fam in Yankee Stadium. And then after that, they go to Guaranteed Rate Field. So, couple of good venues. Yeah, I I, and, I, uh, I think if he's out there, you got to pick him up. No, no matter what your league is. Yeah. Now it is a five game week coming up, so oh, I de- we definitely should make that disclaimer. Poo. But well, and this, let's go to the platoon guys that I. Yeah, uh, you're gonna get five found. games out of platoon guys. Yeah. Right, Eddie Rosario, Mike Yastrzemski. They both should have. Five starts minimum yeah. this coming week, uh, because but of also the maybe Max Black. 
of lefty, but but also Max. <laughs> so all right. So with a a five game week for Fam, and let me just yeah, okay, that is correct. I want to make sure I'm correct about that. So let's say Fam, Rosario, Yastrzemski all play five games. How do you order them? Fam, Rosario, Yastrzemski. See, I think I might go Rosario if games are equal. Because maybe he gets maybe he gets into another game, you know, like maybe gets a pinch hit. And that, and that, he's uh, it looks like good Rosario. He's he's a streak for a guy that doesn't strike out a lot. He's super streaky. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but going pretty well for I think at least a month now, a little more than a month. Such a great uh, like uh, you know guy to have is like one of your worst everyday players <laughs> it's like yeah right it's a Always. it's such a smart move by anthopolis i mean because he's just a wild he's just like a he's like a guy who swings at everything but makes contact sometimes and it's like that's perfect to have like to have is like your seven or eight hitter you're like yeah and then we have a guy who might just swing at something you would never want him to swing at and might hit it for a homer <laughs> <laughs> how many times yeah, could you use that in a game totally it's working for him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are, are some 12-team options. And then I also tossed Willie Castro in there. He is outfield eligible, uh, third base eligible in CBS leagues. He's also second base and shortstop. So he's corner infield, middle infield, outfield. You can play him almost anywhere. use case. I mean, he's a switch hitter. And he's playing center field for them with I Buxton so. out. Or left, maybe. It's center and left and some second. Uh, on the 4th of, uh, of September, he went CF3BP. So he's got that going for him. I mean, he, they're finding a way to get him in most days. And he has 30 steals on the year. I think he's a decent pickup for steals. I, 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 I don't know that it's like a 10 or 12 team situation because it's, it's a little precarious for playing time. But 31 steals is hard to shake a stick at. Absolutely. I think he has started 10 in a row, but I, I, I'm i with you. I don't totally trust that because there, there are some moving parts on that Twins roster. Uh, but oh, I, and I Taylor think Taylor is car- slated to be, this is why he's been playing so much. Michael Taylor is slated to be activated during the Twins September 14th to 20th road trip. Uh-huh. Okay. So it could, it could dry up pretty quick. Very good information there. Okay. A uh, couple other names. Evan Carter who maybe I could have uh, shoehorned in with the other prospects because he came up around the same time that Lawler did last week. But unlike Lawler, he's hitting pretty well and playing more, coincidentally. It's like a, so, if Shanuel had power and could play center field defense. Which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess struck out more. There's no real There's no real comp there. Uh, no, I, I like Carter. I think that what he's doing so far is uh, speaks really well of him. Um, you know, it's... He does not, it's not a good max EV, but if you combine the the AAA with what he's done, he's got a 106 max EV. Uh, He's just going to, I think he's just going to be one of these guys that performs on the upper end of his physical abilities. Um, That's a little bit of a, just a read than like something you can see in the stats. But um, I know that he doesn't hit the ball super hard, but I trust that he will actually do double digit homers at least, you know, in a full season and maybe even get to 20. Uh, and he's going to have a fantastic OBP. I think the, the strikeout rate will, will come back to, to normal and he'll have an okay batting average. So I think he's a great player. Uh, 
I think he's a really good player. Great. We'll have to see. Might take some time. All right. And I've got one more hitter. And I think, uh, you know, in. I would throw him okay. in with the, the outfielders we've been talking about. Like, Fam is the easy pickup for me. Uh, Carter versus Rosario is interesting. I, like, if I needed some steals, I might take Carter over Rosario because I just don't know that Rosario is going to steal any more bases. Uh, but I, I, I put, I mean, I put Carter ahead of Yastrzemski. So, you know, if we're going to rank all our guys, Carter's in the mix. Excellent. Okay. And I have one more, uh, not an outfielder. So this is a very outfielder heavy discussion, but uh, I did notice Dominic, Dominic Smith is on a bit of a heater and feel like we've been waiting for that all year. Cause <laughs> I don't know. I was certainly among those who thought, okay, change of sceneries with the nationals, better park as well. You know, maybe this is when we see the Dominic Smith we'd, we'd been waiting for hadn't really materialized, but has been hot the last couple of weeks and uh, he's available just about everywhere. So I, I wouldn't put him in the same conversation in terms of, you know, 10 and 12 teams, but I think for 15 teams, if it's like him versus, and I realize it's different positions, but you know, if it's him and Lawler, on the wire, to me, it's no question that Smith will take the playing time. Ch- gives you a better chance next. If week. you're making the decision uh, for Sunday, you've got uh, the Nationals got the white the White Sox at home and the Braves at home next week, and it looks like a seven game week. That's not bad. I mean, the White Sox pitching is pretty bad. Nationals Park is power conducive. Um, you know, you never know the Braves. Maybe uh, in send it in, uh, uh, you know, playing through the motions kind of at that point where they're bringing up all their rookie starters and stuff. So uh, you may get uh, good matchups all week. I don't think he's a good player necessarily. Um, uh, you know, it's a hot hand play for yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's a playing time play, right? It's just like he's going to play every yeah. day. The matchups are okay, and he's been going well. But like in terms of true talent. Uh, I'm not sure he's even a starter uh, in this league. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and just that's why to it's clarify not 12 too, or 10 or something. Yeah. And just to clarify, too, when I talk about or write about, for that matter, hot hand plays, I do want to see something backing up the results. I don't want to, you know, be recommending somebody with a 500 BABIP over two weeks. The thing Smith is one of the major league leaders in September in terms of barrels. Hmm. So he is making a lot of hard contact. He's hitting at the right launch angle and strike. He doesn't strike out a lot to begin with, and he's striking out even less lately. So. Yeah, he that's, seems a, that's in. interesting when you're li- using stats that are meant for small samples, but the, the samples are even too small for them, and they go in the face of those stats in the larger sample. You know what I mean? Like, he's not barreling right, right. the ball for the season, and he's got a really poor hard hit rate for the season. Um, but, yeah. you know, if he plays to, if he plays to, like, just last year's, you know, barrel rate and hard hit rate or... or or 2021, when he played 493 plate appearances, he had a 40% hard hit rate, a 6.5 barrel rate, and a, a 120 ISO. I mean, that he could do that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let's move on to the pitchers. And again, same as last week, you know, a lot. So uh, we'll probably move through these quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bunch of two-start pitchers to consider that uh, a lot of these players are, are available in 12-teamers. Uh, a few are available deeper. But let's... Uh, well, actually, before we, we go through this list... One point that I made in the column this week is that we really shouldn't count on anybody to make two starts in a week. And you just, I think, uh, you know, underscored that point by saying, like, with the Braves, they could be uh, calling up guys or like, doing bullpen games or whatever. If Morton was on this list, and he's not, but if Morton was on this list, would you trust him to take two starts? I mean, even last week when people were asking me, is he going to make that Marlin start? And I didn't know what to tell him, you know. They've already yeah. been skipping days for Morton just to, you know, keep him fresh. Yeah, so definitely something to keep in common. I think also a reason to really emphasize that first start in the two-step because um, you figure that's that's a pretty safe bet. And so we'll start with Ryan Pepio, who starts at home against the Tigers. Now that second start, should he make it, would also be at home against the Giants. I like those matchups in general, but I would feel good about Pepio with one start against Detroit. Oh, yeah, even just one start against Detroit. And he's, I think, clearly the best pitcher on this list. Other than, and I hate to, you you like your rundown, but I'm I'm a rundown killer. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brian Wu is on this list later, and I like him, but uh, you know, I have to think that there's a risk that he gets shut down for innings or or moved into like a two inning, one inning, three inning, something kind of uh, not so great for fantasy situation. I think the risk is maybe even higher than Pepio because I think. They'll want to keep Pepio on a regular uh, a rotation, keep him stretched out because they have su- in LA they have such a problem with their starting rotation. I think Pepio might be a, 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 a might be a playoff starter. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Uh, you know, one or two, perhaps. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who Who would have thought? I mean, I think it might go Miller, Kershaw, Pepio. So. Yeah. And I, I, I uh, had a column are, coming yeah. out today that the only reason I'm saying Miller first is because you might be able to uh, rest your bullpen more if you do Kershaw before a uh, rest day. Uh, and so I, I laid it all out. But uh, yeah, so Pepio, Pepio is going to figure in big. Pepio is my favorite pitcher in, in this list. And and he is mine too, which is uh, mainly why I did put him at the top. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I like Kyle Harrison. I did put him second. And I think because... The Giants, really, they don't have a lot of viable starters. I think he might be the best bet on this list to make two starts, which is actually bad news because the the weekend start would be at (laughs) the Dodgers. The first one's at home against Arizona, so I would certainly root for for that to be his only start. Um, I think I like the next name on your list better. John Means at Houston is not great, but at Cleveland is okay. Mm. And I think uh, it's a similar situation with Means that... um, they're they're the the Orioles are kind of have some issues with innings. I mean, in terms of Grayson Rodriguez's innings and 
you know, is Kyle Bradish getting tired and, and what do they want to do to set up for the, for the postseason. So I think means is, uh, just the guy who comes in and, and pitches every five days, maybe not a lot of innings, but you know, four or five innings. Yeah. And you're just hoping for 10 innings from him, Houston, Cleveland, and one win and like a four ERA. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he could emerge from the week with three strikeouts, uh, not because he only got one against the Cardinals, but just, you know, Houston and Cleveland, those teams just don't, don't strike, strike out, out very yeah, much. True. Not a good strikeout but, but, play. But, you know, the velocity was there. But the Harrison at start. LA is a, that's one you, you, you were worried about. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a play for strikeouts. Um, if you if you're worried about ratios, I think you you have to skip Harrison. That would be my my thinking, especially since there's some chance that he makes that that second start. Uh, let me group some some uh, pitchers together here. I think we could probably put these in two, maybe three categories: Cutter Crawford at Texas, and then at home against the White Sox. Clark Schmidt home starts against the Blue Jays and Diamondbacks. Edward Cabrera at home Mets and Brewers. Let's stop there because I see them as being sort of equivalent. Mm. Um, I like I'm so tempted because I I love stuff so much. Like I'm so tempted to be like Edward Cabrera's is a clear step ahead, but he's since he's come back, it's four innings, four and two thirds with an opener. That does actually help. You know that that helps him get a win a little bit more because they're just more mm-hmm. likely to give you a win, even though he does. If you start the game and throw four. They're going to give the win to the reliever, but if they put if we put a reliever in front of him and he goes four, he gets the win. It's the dumbest thing, but <laughs> yeah, it's yes. true. Those are the rules. Yeah, and his last start with the six walks uh, that uh, makes me uh, afraid, like a Kyle Harrison at Dodgers start. Um, our, you know, Mets though, and versus Milwaukee, both home. He could walk, like even in his last one at Milwaukee, he walked them six times. We gave up two runs. So I'm going to say uh, Edward Cabrera is my favorite of the three. Okay. Yeah, I see them as all you know being risk-reward type pitchers. You know, there's a lot of upside. Cutter Crawford starts, at Texas but... is okay. You know, there's something tough, and I and I feel bad for Hein Bloom on this one, but um, – you know, Boston Red Sox road ERA is up there with a lot of good teams. And uh, I think there's something tough about pitching at home in Boston that maybe the park factors don't all get. There's an example that I had, which is that the Red Sox righties uh, pull the ball more than any other righties in baseball. And the Red Sox lefties push the ball more than any other lefties in baseball at the plate. And why would they do that? Because of the monster. And so if they mm-hmm. can do that so readily, you know, and I did talk to, who was I talking to about this? Matt Olson, maybe? I, I was talking to somebody about uh, Parks and how they, oh, Spencer Steer, I think. And he, and mm-hmm. I think he made the point that, well, maybe they acquired the players to be like that. You know, maybe they acquired players, righties who pull and lefties who, because he, I think he was saying like, do you think Justin Turner really just changed his whole approach because he was in Boston or do they get Justin Turner because his approach is good for the monster? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So it was a, no, that's it was a, a good it's point. A, yeah. That's an interesting chicken egg type question because every year when you do a, a sort 
by Team Babip. Uh, you know, they're up there with the Rockies. Yeah. Um, and yet, always. when you look at park factors, they don't register as like you know one of the worst parks usually. You know, let me look. Let yeah. me look. I don't want to talk out of my butt, but like I always think, you see Cincinnati <laughs> Yankees. You know, uh, let me look at the 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 park uh, the park factors from Statcast. I would actually be surprised if they didn't rake really high for doubles. I think. Oh I yeah, think no. Fenway... I mean, individual stuff does capture it. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Uh, overall park factor, Boston's number two. Okay. I yeah. I'm gonna guess the the park factor for Fenway for doubles is like 120 or something. It's like that. number one. London Stadium is is number one, but that doesn't count. So okay, so I, good thing I checked. I checked my priors. Uh, it I think it's just a really tough place to to pitch. And uh, if you think about uh, players who've underperformed their stuff plus or underperformed generally, um, the Red Sox and Reds, they're right there. Uh, interestingly, Kauffman Stadium uh, is yeah, good doubles triples park. That's crazy historically. It's uh, overall park factor by Baseball Savant is fourth in the big leagues. Would not have expected that. Tied with the Nationals and ahead of the Phillies. Um, Orioles are, are 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 seventh on this list, but I think that uh, it's over 21 to 2023. 20, so, I, in fact, I think they're mm-hmm. lower than that because okay. the Great Wall was put up, and this is a mm-hmm. three-year park factor. So, Right, right. Yeah, you always got to... But anyway, uh, I think Cutter Crawford at home against the White Sox. At least it's not at home against Texas. Right. I, I put decent. Cutter Crawford second. Uh, Clark Schmidt, Toronto is pitching poorly, but it's home. And, you know, if you want to talk about, about tough places to, to pitch, uh, Yankee Stadium is on that list. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right. I'm going to group the rest of these uh, two groups of three. Uh, Javier Assad. I, I think I can do this too because there's some good matchups in, uh, with these pitchers. Javier Assad has great matchups at home against Pittsburgh and Colorado. But Doesn't just, really get too much better than that. Pitcher. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's one of those uh, you, you've gotten into you know, the great uh, matchups, objects not good pitchers. Is, group. Is, there, is that what you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brady Singer finishes at Houston, which is horrible, but he starts at home against Cleveland. So I would root for him to get one start, and I would sort of like that. And then J.P. Sears and Paul Blackburn, and let me double check and make sure they both line up. I think they do. Yes, they do. They I have those two Seattle guys circled. I have them as a cut above. I think that home, they're they're good pitchers, and yeah. uh, that's you know Seattle's. I know it has Julio Rodriguez, and so their offensive numbers, when you include Julio Rodriguez, are you know pretty good. But uh, in the last month or so, but I would say that you know at home against Seattle, at home Detroit, plus the talent level of Sears and Blackburn, I'm taking that number one in this grouping uh, for sure, uh, and uh, I'll take a sod over Singer. Okay, yeah, I, that makes sense. With- Makes sense to me, especially because of the matchups. Yeah, Colorado. And then uh, I don't know if there's anybody in this last group that has anything to offer, but I I mean, they're they're there. What's tough about them is there's some good pitchers in this. And next year, I want to own some of these pitchers. Brian Wu, Kyle Wright, Taj Bradley, Drew Rahm. They're all lined up for two. Wu, I don't think will make the two. Wright, I don't know if he'll pitch four innings in each of those. Taj Bradley Mm -hmm. is killing me. I have him on my main event team, and he was going well, and then he had a 16-pitch at bat in the top of the fifth, and they took him out at four and two-thirds. 
with with the with the lead <laughs> and i was just like god oh, just give him one more out um drew rom is interesting because he does not throw hard and uh there's some there's some okay movement in there but i don't know like it's so weird to have a young guy come up and like he almost like are you hurt which is like it's a weird thing to ask of a guy but like i mean it's a 23 year old throwing 89 who's gotten strikeouts in the minors i know but uh, I or I guess pitch info says ninety point six. So, but still, that's really low. The, the I, point I stands. I don't, yeah. I don't trust him. Yeah. Well, overall, the results have not been very good. Uh, I think the last start, and let me check the game log to make yeah, sure I'm start was remember better. correctly. But yeah, last start at Baltimore, five and a third scoreless with seven. Also, strikeouts. his best velo of the season, ninety one point four. Still, uh, still, I don't know about that. All right, so yeah, they put them at the bottom for a reason. Uh, if I, I had to the, pick, the hail Mary move in deep leagues. If I had to pick, I'm just gonna. Well, on talent, I like Brian Wu of the group the most, uh, but I just I think he's maybe the riskiest to make his starts because uh, he's really, really blown past his innings total. So I'm gonna take Taj Bradley of the group. Yeah, it makes sense to me, especially with that Angel start. And I love like uh, you have an asterisk here, Michael King, uh, as maybe a pickup for the last week, but they are going to shut him down at some point. Uh, and they also have a very strict uh, pitch limit on him. Uh, King went, I think, four and two thirds in his last one. Let me see. I have to, but they he went to like eighty six pitches, and they took him out. So I think he has a hard limit at 85 pitches. So if he's a little bit like Drew Rasmussen. Can he get through five innings in 85 pitches? Then you might get a win. Uh, I love him on talent. And if it's yeah. a keeper league and he's like 10 or 12 team league and you can just stash him, I would. All right. Well, this week at home versus Toronto, I would feel pretty safe about at least him making that start. Mm-hmm. The matchup is not ideal and it's at home. Neither park is really great. And Toronto has been hitting pretty poorly, so maybe I shouldn't be as scared of that lineup as as maybe it's just sort of name value at this point. All right. Well, I think somebody to at least consider a one start pitcher this week. And again, as Eno said, maybe not two starts, maybe not any starts. <laughs> yeah, right, maybe. So we'll, we'll maybe just see uh, how that goes. Six innings over three appearances or two appearances. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, finish up here. Close your corner. I think there's a few interesting things going on. Uh, the Cubs, of course, um, got a situation that's now, I guess, maybe in flux with uh, Edward Elzelay, um on on the IL. Is is Julian Merriweather definitely the guy there, or I mean, he's do you my not pick. trust the situation? He's my pick. I've loved him for a while. People people heard me talking about Merriweather. I don't need to tell them anymore, but. Uh, yeah, it's Merriweather for me. I think Fulmer got a save, but it was like a one out. Somebody else pooped the bed and he had to come in situation, if I remember correctly. So uh, I'm taking Merriweather. All and right. I'm taking well, Merriweather com- over uh, again, jumping your uh, jumping your go, your go for because I was going to go where you're going. Well, just Trevor May is on here. I see Trevor May's mm-hmm. name and I will take Merriweather over May. But uh, the other two pitchers you have listed here, I will take maybe over Merriweather. All right. One of whom is Tanner Scott, who we talked about last He's week. a lot and of Ryan saves. Helsley, who we 
probably should have talked about last week, but I don't think we did. I think you just but, figure Ryan Helsley is the best closer of this group easily. The only problem is they will not pitch him in back-to-back games. So it's going to be hard for you to rack up uh, saves like you have with Tanner Scott. Have you noticed this? I, I picked up Scott in one of my leagues and was like, yeah, he's going to be the closer. It's going to be fine. And then he has given us in the last two weeks like five saves. Three saves. I have noticed because I picked him up too. Yeah. So. And Helsley's gotten a few as well, uh, in spite of. The I think I would I would rank them Helsley, uh, Scott, Merriweather, just based on the fact that Merriweather may have some risk around him. Okay, Helsley did pitch back to back Tuesday, Wednesday, saves did in he? both uh, instances, but only eight pitches. Uh, on Tuesday. So that's why they let him back out there. There was a sort of a yeah. hard rule at some point that he wasn't going to be using back to backs, but maybe maybe they want to get his innings up. Well, uh, I'm going to toss out one more, uh, and it's a repeat from last week, but more of a follow-up, you know, that uh, I talked about uh, Robert Stevenson maybe as the secondary guy in Tampa. And my recollection was, you know, I think you thought there was maybe more ways that that could be split. And with, again, the Rays being the Rays, that's... You did uh, get a a save out of last week. But he did get a save this week. So does that change anything? Um. I think I what I was doing was just uh, pointing out that Sean Armstrong was going to get some holds, uh, and it was SP eligible, and he's gotten uh, two holds in last week. So that's all I was doing. I uh, I do think Stevenson is the second guy, uh, and in some leagues, if you get one save in the last two weeks, it might be a big deal. So, well, and I want to thank you for pointing out Armstrong because I picked him up in a twenty fourteen <laughs> league. <laughs> uh, it's exactly the use case in a league where, in a league where SP there, there are no yeah SPRP eligible in a league that's you know a CBS points league so it's SPRP slots and there's no more waivers in that league after last <laughs> weekend so I figured okay in an emergency I could slot him in either place and he's he's getting points yeah. so yeah, there you go I'm glad I could still get arms well, I helped one he person to... with that one well including myself <laughs> I, I have I've gotten some holds from him in my uh, in my league. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Sean Armstrong paying, paying off. Uh, excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's all we've got now for, uh, this particular episode. Good luck to everybody. Uh, a lot of people in their head to head finals, probably, uh, trying to stay out of that last week. People that don't do that last week for good reason, because, uh, things happen in that last week that are just weird. Um, so good luck in your finals. Yeah, good luck to everybody, uh, regardless of Roto, uh, head-to-head, your finals, whatever it is you're playing for, playing for ninth place, whatever it is, good luck. Uh, the next uh, week or two weeks, however you're playing it. And before we sign off here, just a reminder that uh, you can now subscribe to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for your first year. Get all of Eno's content. Uh, the the, the one more uh, waiver wire column that I've got to write this year. We're counting it down. All the athletic uh, content, of course, uh, is a, a part of that. So just go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels, rates and barrels all spelled out uh, and uh, go check out that deal. So uh, just make sure also, if not, uh, if you're not doing so already, follow uh, Eno on Twitter slash X at Eno Saris. I am there at Al Melchior BB. And uh, yeah, so that's a wrap for this Friday show. So we will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening.